This is the Ignition Show, an after-show edition. Hello, everyone. Welcome to or welcome back to the podcast. I'm Chris Jansen, host of the Ignition Show, and today is what we call our after-show. It's a special episode where we look back at the most recent interview and pulled apart to see how the ideas have impacted us. Us, by the way, refers to my wife and business partner, Sarah, and I. We're learning too, and not only have we created this podcast to help provoke, inspire, and fuel your greatness, but we're on our own journey. We want to learn and grow as individuals and as a couple, and heck, we're human too. We have days and moments when we're crushing it, and plenty of moments when we're not. So the After Show episodes are here to help you, help you to deepen the learning, speed the implementation of the great ideas, and accelerate the route to your greatest aspirations and an extraordinary life. We're excited to be on this journey with you side-by-side moving forward with the entire Ignition Show community. We'd love to hear what stood out for you in this episode, so please go to our Facebook group, that's The Ignition Show on Facebook, and join if you haven't yet, and let us know what you heard from this episode that really impacted you. All right, it's time to ignite the spark within you. Let's get to the episode. So I found this conversation with Pete Bambachi very, very timely. Timely both from an end-of-year reflection time, but also it made me really stop and think about the various conversations we've had about connecting with friends and neighbors and having them into our house. And also the, what it really made me think of was the, the, what felt like a giant chasm between what we want and what we've actually been doing and having not very, very, very few people over, if any, in the last many, 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 many months. Yeah, you know what? Just like Pete said, this is kind of the time of year where... We kind of slow down and, and want to connect. I, when I was listening to this episode, thought the same thing. I'm like, oh, this is timely, but for very different reasons. Because we, and particularly me, I've had a really, um, I've had a year of isolation in mm. many ways. We had a baby in June, so that has kept me housebound for um, many months. Well, for the most part, housebound. Yeah. Um, and... Then we had an illness of your in your family and a death in your family, which kept us in a different city altogether for several months. Yeah. So it was only in the past few weeks that I feel like I'm reconnecting with friends and and people in the neighborhood in person. So this was really timely because I definitely felt it this year how important connection and in-person connection is. Yeah. I mean, as you say that, it makes me think that it's probably been... Uh, probably four months this year, or the equivalent, or the, the uh, uh, aggregate of four months this year where we were living out of our home, yes. uh, not in our home, um, with my dad passing the fall, in the spring, in the winter and my mom in the autumn and clearing out the house and everything else, that we were not living our normal life for Correct. a third of the year. Right. Which, and then another third was with a newborn. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> clicky click, <laughs> uh, easy year. Um, but um, so, so with you particularly, we'll, we'll start with your perspective um, and being a new mom. Mm. And um, so that, that idea of isolation, what, what, when you listen to the conversation I had with Pete, what really, what really came up for you? Okay. I had a few things come up for me and one is kind of unrelated to us in particular. And one of the things, because Pete mentioned el- the elder- elderly a few times. And it made me think of my grandfather who passed away at 93. This was several years ago, almost 10 years ago. He passed away at 93. And I've told you, you know, and what I tell other people is, you know, he was really, really active and golfed every day in the summer, curled 
almost every day in the winter up until he was 90. And when he was not, and you know, he, he lived on his own, drove a car, and at some point in his late 80s, moved into an apartment. And when he was 90, um, or sorry, when he lived at the apartment, he would walk across the street to the mall and he would do a couple miles walking up and down the mall. And around the time he was 90, there was a huge snowstorm that winter and he could no longer walk across the street. It was, there was just too much snow for him to literally walk across the street. And that was the year his health declined. Hmm. Listening to Pete though, made me realize the other part of that story that I've somehow just didn't put together, put it together before walking the several miles around the, the mall, he'd always sit with his buddies and have coffee. Right. So now it makes me think, huh, that, that, that winter where his health deteriorated and then he subsequently died in the next couple of years. I wonder if it was the exercise, which I had previously been attributing to his, yes his um his health decline or if it was the lack of connection that winter right that you know being sense. because my my grandmother had died about 10 years before so he was living alone in this apartment and really had no connection that entire winter so that was the first thing that came to mind as you know listening to you and Pete talk and then the other thing was um just how important connection is to our lives Part of, and I, I'm saying this with so a smile on your face. With a, a smile on my face, I have to. I'll, I'll admit, before, oftentimes before we do these after shows, we kind of talk about, you know, what what we're going to say, what came out for you, what came out for me. Um, one thing I didn't mention is that a lot of, and I'm saying this almost, you know, guiltily, a lot of what Pete was saying kind of validated an argument that you and I have had, where I love our neighborhood. Like, just love our neighborhood. So do I, and, yeah. No, absolutely. But when we were looking for homes, mm. it was really important for me to, you know, we, we both listed out what, what we were looking for in a house because it was the first house we, we were purchasing together. And one of the top things on my list was a front porch. And a front porch <laughs> you could sit on. Not just a stoop, but a porch. Yes. And I think that drove you crazy. And to the point where three months into our home search, you're like, what the, you know, what's, what's going on? <laughs> what the question mark is about this front front porch? Like, why is it so important to you? And it's, it was and still is so important because to me, that's a way of connecting to our neighbors. Yeah. It's, for me, it was a sense of community. That's what a front, front porch represents for me. It's community and connecting. To the point where, you know, we moved into this home, we had to renovate it. It was, you know, it was um, uh, kind of not dilapidated, but it, it needed a lot of work. And our backyard to this day needs a lot of work. So I predominantly, when I go outside, I sit on the front porch. And you more than once have called me the crazy porch lady. <laughs> yes, I have. Because I will, <laughs> I will sit on the front porch and wave and say hello to pretty much anyone who walks by. Any living creature that moves in the neighborhood, yeah. To the point where you've caught me before making a noise <laughs> to try and summon their attention in order to make eye contact and say hello. I can verify that all of that is true. <laughs> Which, 
and I, and yeah, you actually made me think that you're actually right. That was a point of um, it was a point humorous, of contention, humorous contention. But you know, I, you know, growing up, the backyard was the place to hang out when you had space. Uh, but I, I do get it now. I totally get it now. And it made me think. This conversation with Pete really made me think specifically how much we do enjoy and love to get to know our neighbors more. We've been living here for a year and a half, um, but away a lot of the time. Um, and we have often talked and said we really should have blank and blank, fill in the blank, any of these neighbors over for dinner, drinks, brunch, lunch, whatever it may be, a tea. Right. And what, what the conversation with Pete really made me think was, especially around the point of uh, his conversation of the, the line, we should really get together mm. is what people often say. Right. And then the next thing you know, they, um, you know, life passes by and you never got together. Right. And um, it just made me maybe re reflect a little bit on why, you know, what's really preventing us. And I think there are a lot of probably surface level things and probably just a little, there's nothing major. It's just little micro, micro things that in the moment steal the momentum of the idea, which isn't a great excuse, but I think that's what's been going on. Yeah, and one thing I, I had mentioned to you right before we, we started um, recording this is when I lived in Montreal, I lived in Montreal for six years, and it's a much more European culture than the rest of Canada, you know, in, in Quebec. And when I moved to Toronto, it was, it was vastly different. So Montreal, you can make plans for that same evening at a, you know, drop of a hat. It was like everyone was always available. So I could text someone at 4.30 and say, hey, let's go out for dinner at 7 o'clock. And there would be five of us showing up. And in Toronto, I would try and do the same thing. Now, and you had mentioned, yeah, it's a, t a time of life. But I was single in Montreal. And when I first moved to Toronto, I, I was also single. And I would try and do the same thing in Toronto, saying, hey, let's do dinner tonight. And they're like, mm, dinner's tight. You know, can't do tonight. How about three weeks from now? Mm. And it was just such a mind shift for me and a cultural shift. And I think Toronto um, represents more of the cultural norms of North America, where it's much more achievement, as you and Pete mentioned, it's much more achievement oriented, um, work oriented, whereas Montreal being more, much more European is much more connection and socially oriented. Yeah. And actually, even as I'm saying this, it makes me reflect on our experience on this street. So we live on this, you know, it's a one block dead end street and we are almost always saying how lucky we are to mm -hmm. to have to be in the home we are and on the street we are because you never know what neighborhood you're buying into really what what neighbors you're buying into and we've completely lucked out where everyone has been so wonderful but i think of the people we have quickly in the 2 years of living here have quickly um come to know and it's those people that knock on our door and invite themselves in and in some ways have been, you know, quote unquote, kind of pushy about it. It's like, it doesn't matter what time of day, they'll no. just kind of knock and, and walk in. And we've gotten to know them the best. And now that I'm reflecting, both are European descent. Right. That's in true. fact, they're, they're immigrants who now live here, but are both That's European. True. And I think, man, I should probably do more of that. I should probably be a little more pushy and just knock, you know, knock on people's doors and say, hey, what are you doing? You know, or come over for tea or whatever yeah, it I, is. And I don't even think it's pushy. I think it's just being was like wide open. Like there's no, there's no filter there in a good way. Which it's I like, love. It's like we're all family. 
Like, I, you know, you don't have to go, you don't have to plan to go knock on your sister's or brother's bedroom door. You right. just go do it. Which I really appreciated. So, uh, what, two weeks ago, you were gone for 10 days on business. And I was left with a six-month-old. And the days, some days were very long. Where, you know, by four o'clock, you've been up for almost 12 hours. Four o'clock in the afternoon, I've been up for almost 12 hours. I'm like, I need to see someone else. <laughs> I need to see another adult. And in two, on two separate days... I went across the street or I went next door and I visited these European people and just literally invited myself in with no notice. And they both, both families graciously invited me in. I stayed for an hour. They, they fed me, they offered me tea and it was so lovely. Yeah. And that's, you know, that is the epitome to me of what Pete's talking about is that, that connection that I think is really lost in so many, so many ways in our culture. And you've also recently, I know, reconnected with some of your girlfriends and yes. some of your other former work colleagues. Right. Who I've, <laughs> in your, who in your... I've texted throughout the year, but I haven't seen them for ages. And so my, you know, in the spirit of what, what Pete was bringing about the impact of human connection, what have you noticed going from perhaps those many months as a, as a new mom of isolation to reconnecting just in those few hours you have with friends? What's the impact for you? What do you notice? So one of the, um, I've, I've met a few women through prenatal yoga. So going into, um, you know, in the last few, few months of, of pregnancy, we all connected at the same classes and we've stayed in touch primarily through text, but we've seen each other a couple, you know, two or three times since then. And the last time it had been a while, it had been probably three months since, since the last time we saw each other and we saw each other last week. And I remember getting in my car afterwards of, of spending an afternoon with them, just walking around the old part of Toronto and um, connecting over lunch with our babes. And I could not wipe the grin off my face. <laughs> there was, you know, um, yeah, I was getting in the car, I was buckling my seatbelt and this massive grin on my face and I could feel the endorphins. It was just like this great feeling of, of, connection but just gratitude joy all of the above that was beyond just the you know the holiday spirit and i remember saying we have to do this more often mm. we need to do this more often it makes me also think of um, what i often say about music concerts I, I rarely go and every time i do go i say to myself i gotta do this more often this is i really enjoy this right yeah. great night or afternoon now yeah and it makes me think of, you know, I, it's never been a thing, you know, um, proactively connecting with people, whether it's in my network or just grabbing a coffee with a friend. It's never been something I've, I've, I've really taken the lead on. Mm. I've, maybe other people in my circle have done that more often. But I definitely know that every time I do, whether it's me proactively doing it or someone else, I also get an endorphin rush. I wouldn't necessarily label it that way, but I, I get what you're saying. But it just feels good to get out there and chat, and it just it just further drives home everything that Pete said about the both the importance of it and how it tends to happen a lot less in our cultures, yeah. at, least on, at least in our big city cultures. And how it's such a shame that, it, as Pete mentioned in his experience, and I've experienced the same thing through hurricanes, where the entire city shut down when I was living in Halifax for in university that it takes oftentimes a, a natural disaster to make a stop and focus on, on the connection. Mm. 
you know, and, and what a shame that, that that's what it takes. So I love that Pete is starting these, you know, two weekends a year where we stop, put down our phones and connect. Yeah. It also made me think about, um, or, and it does make me think about, you know, how we get our priorities twisted, twisted in and all. You know, and I think about let's cast a stare, uh, you know, a, a wide but stereotypical uh, net around the the example of um, you know busy professionals working in their job, coming home, taking care of the family, whatever it may be, or being involved in your own activities, and you know, working really, really hard to achieve something. And yet, you compare that to the the statistics of what human connection does for our physical well-being, for depression, anxiety, and longevity. And like ultimately, that's what we want. We want great physical wellness. We want a good long life. We want to have good, deep, meaningful relationships. And yet, a lot of people are pursuing that in a dysfunctional way because they're so busy and stressed out and burning out because of the way that they're managing their life. And it, it makes me think that of something I often talk about with clients is like, it's not what you say you value or what you say you want. It's how you actually operate. Right. That's where the truth, that's where the real truth lies. In terms of what you value. And In terms what of what you're valuing. And it really is helpful to, to pause and look at how you're actually operating. And, you know, for us this year, there's no doubt that our immediate family was a big priority. And I, I wouldn't change that in any particular way. But I think going into 2020, it's um, maybe a good opportunity for us to reset some of our priorities and take the proactive lead. And I always appreciate it when we do take the lead. And I appreciate when other people recognize that, you know, the handful of times that we have had new friends over to our house or we've created dinner op- dinner opportunities with other groups that we're bringing together from various places, people really appreciate us taking the lead and, mm. and looking at us as... Um, you know, people that they love to hang around with more. And I think this conversation uh, with Pete and the one we're having right now is really making me think I'd love to love us to spend some time over the holidays to uh, not overthink it too much, but just maybe get our phones out or our emails out and, and just reach out to people and say, when are you around in January? Love to see you. Love it. Anything else come out for you for this, this conversation? No, I think, I think, um, I think for actually for this, from this conversation we're having right now, just what I actually just said was not overthink it and just get our phones out and just start messaging people hmm. and and or, go at it that way. Or going across the street and knocking <laughs> on people's doors. <laughs> or going across the street and knocking on people's doors. Maybe that's a better way to do it. But um, yeah, not overly get our calendars out and start to plan which weekend would we like. Just send the message out and see what happens. I think that would be a fun experiment. Yeah, and I wonder, you know, of the people listening, I wonder if this is not an issue per se, because I didn't, I wouldn't have thought of it was, you know, thought of it as an issue for us. But if if someone can relate to this, to this conversation, I noticed when I left the corporate culture, working in an office nine to five or, you know, longer hours, when I left that, the corporate lifestyle to work on my own, Everyone said, how is it? And I said, well, the only thing I miss is the water cooler effect mm. of, you know, loose converse, you know, loose connections with the same people every day. I really miss that. And I think in so many ways, now we have to actively cultivate that yeah. and, and actively 
seek that out as you just described. But I wonder if, if, if there are people listening who have experienced the same thing and I would love to hear what other people yeah, have done absolutely. to, to recreate that water cooler effect or recreate those, those connections. If you are either working from home or have your own business or some part of your life um, has just been more isolated than sometimes going into an office and, and having friends at the office. Yeah. So I'd love to hear from, from other people what they've done to, to generate that connection. Yeah. And also, uh, what are your plans for, uh, where does this rank in your priorities for next year? Mm. We'd love to hear from people as well. So as always, you can go to our website or go to the Facebook page and, uh, leave us a message there. And remember, you can always leave us an audio message, which we love to receive on our website. You'll see a little button there. And if you go to theignitionshow.com slash connect, and you can leave us an audio message that we can listen to. And we'd love to hear from you uh, at any time. Those are my favorite. Those are my favorite too. All right. It feels like a good connection, doesn't it? It really, really <laughs> does. So there you have it, our after show edition. As always, if you like what you hear, subscribe, rate the show, or leave a review in iTunes. It helps others find us and helps us get better. We actually read every single review and comment that comes through iTunes, Facebook, and our website, and respond to as many people as we can. We especially love hearing your real live voice, and you can leave comments and questions for us to include in future episodes as an audio message by going to theignitionshow.com slash connect. That's theignitionshow.com slash connect. We'd really love to build a community around you and your questions. And lastly, remember, whatever you dream of, whatever you hope for, and secretly wish you had, you're closer than you think you are, you're meant to have it, and you absolutely deserve it. Until next time, I'm Chris Jansen. And I'm Sarah Jansen. And this is The Ignition Show.